Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 46th episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. In this New Moon episode, I'll be discussing women in the workplace, and we'll be speaking with David Layton, president of Witty, Women in Technology International. Then I'll be discussing the book I'm reading now, which is Eight Rules of Love, How to Find It, Keep It, and Let It Go by Jay Shetty. And finally, we'll be experiencing a guided meditation with affirmations for professional growth. But first, let me share with you some reflections on women in the workplace. Let's talk about women in the workplace. When I was young, I always imagined that I would be a working woman, a working woman who was ambitious. I never imagined it would turn out quite the way it has. And it definitely, my current life definitely exceeds my expectations. I imagined that I would end up working in the corporate world and I would end, I'll be wearing suits and in a very masculine environment. But in fact, being an artist and working on my own terms and turning my passion into money has actually been so much better. But going back to women in the workplace and archetypes and role models, when I was growing up, I had a a lot of very traditional female role models or role models or or influences in my life. And what I learned from that was, that's not going to be me. I I was, um, when I grew up around the boys around me, I was always um, a higher achiever than they were academically. I never imagined that I would grow up and the fact that I I was female would mean that I would have to take a back seat and not be as, as ambitious or as successful as them. I never imagined that I would become a domestic goddess in any way. I never imagined that I would be making a man's dinner, cleaning up his socks after him or anything like that. And I think I think consciously or subconsciously, I have always attracted very tidy, very domesticated men into my life. They're not feminine men at all, but men who are who've been independent from a young age, who know how to cook and who are very, very, very tidy. And that, that for me is amazing because I'm still a little bit messy, but I think my messiness was a kind of way of kind of rejecting those traditional female roles of being a housewife all day, you know? I mean, I just think I just, I just didn't want that to be me. And yeah, it's great to, and when I see friends who have attracted the other type of men and I see how they're hoovering and, and complaining about picking up their clothes and how they don't do anything, I'm just thinking, whew, I feel so grateful. And going back to women in the workplace, I remember watching the series Mad Men. I absolutely love that series. I love the fashion. I really love 1950s fashion and the styling and the hair. It was just amazing. But looking at the female roles in that was very insightful. I mean, um, getting married and just staying at home all day, being a homemaker, 
there's no doubt that that can be satisfying for some people, but not all people. I think sometimes it's, um, that, that would, for me, would be so boring, but it's never been, there's never been a better time to be a stay-at-home mom because now with the internet, there's so much you can do. You can still be at home, have that flexibility of, of professional, of professional, um, obligations, have an online job, a remote job, and still, you know, fulfill your career needs, your financial needs as an independent person, and still be a homemaker. I think this is a wonderful time for women to explore both options at the same time. It's never been better. But when I was watching Mad Men as well, um, the character of Peggy really um, struck a chord with me. She was a, a secretary who was very clever and she ended up working in the creative team and she had some of the best ideas. But because she was a woman, she was earning a secretary's salary. And um, yeah, so even though she had some of the better ideas than some of the men, she was earning a lot less than them. And also a lot of the prettier women were there just to kind of network and find a husband and uh, wow. And then, and then stay at home after that, kind of retire um, upon marriage. And that for me would be like, oh my God, I am so glad that um, women made, um, just really rebelled against that and, and then changed things for, for people, for, for, for me and everyone in my generation. It's incredible how we have so many gifts now of independence and choice that we did not have before, even though things are still not perfect. And I want to read a, a little extract from the book, um, More Than a Woman by Catelyn Moran that I read recently. I may have read this before on this podcast, but it definitely is worth repeating. It's all about um, women and working and marriage. The other piece of advice I would give you in my older years is, if it is at all possible, do not give up your job. Do not become financially dependent on your partner. I am at the end of observing a solid decade of divorces in my social circle. And I beg you to consider that there is a one in three chance that you are going to end up divorced. One in three. As a woman, you will almost certainly get primary custody of your children. And this will mean that in the middle of the heart, heartbreak and pain, you will end up in a financial mediation meeting with your soon-to-be ex-partner, being mortifyingly ordered to make a list of everything you spend in a year, and essentially begging someone you have fallen out with to give you money for gas, bread, and shoes for, your ch for you and your children. There is nothing quite like being convulsed with the humiliation of, ask, of having to ask someone you are trying to get away from for an extra £20 a week, so you can say, feed the dog. Well, and also, just uh, carrying on here, I was going to end there, but there's a little bit more juice in the following paragraph. Unless you're divorcing some cash-bloated oligarch and you have amazing lawyers, you are about to become quite poor. You will almost certainly have to get a job anyway, in order to make up the shortfall. And you will now be trying to find a flexible job that you can fit in around childcare with a CV that has huge gaps in it, i.e. the magical dream job you would have been looking for anyway, had you decided to remain in work. Oh my God, that's just so, so, so um, incredible. And it's incredible because I have um, some, some friends and, and um, acquaintances who are 
actually looking for men to be providers. It's crazy when you think about it. And I think these people do not consider that one day that relationship will or might probably end. You know, they don't think about what's the backup plan if you are completely dependent on someone. I remember one friend was telling me that she was, um, she wanted to go for dinner with her boyfriend and when he said that he wanted to save money, she got angry and she's like, how are you going to provide for me and my kids and our kids, even though they don't have children, um, if he can't afford to take her to nice restaurants? And it's like thinking, well, what are you bringing to the table? How come you can't pay for your for your dinner? It's, it's, it's really crazy. And also last week, last weekend, I met a man who is going through a divorce and he was in that situation as well with a woman who completely relied on him with the house and the kids, et cetera. And he was trying to kind of... Um, make that um kind of trying to trying to make the separation happen as easily and quickly as possible but the fact that she is not independent or cannot be independent um is really delaying things so i think it's very important to be interdependent in relationships because love is a beautiful thing after all but when you are in a relationship out of need and necessity and obligation then i i just imagine that spark must go at some point i've never really been in a situation like that where i've had to rely on someone to eat or something like that, or it just seems like not the kind of thing I would, I would want to aspire to. Another thing I wanted to talk about as well is the wage gap. I think um, this was very apparent in the, when I, the, the example I gave of madmen of a woman doing the same as a man and in some cases doing it better, but still earning less because she's a woman. And I do think these days, I think um, there can be many reasons why there is a wage gap. But I do think also, um, even though it's, you know, most places it's illegal to say this is the salary for a woman, this is a salary for a man in, in, a, in any given um, job offering. Um, but at the same time, I think women um, in general perhaps don't um, demand or ask for raises uh, as often as men do or in the same way. Maybe we don't have the same confidence. And also we make very different career choices as well. And having, if you have had children and take, taking those big gaps out of your career can definitely influence your um, your cap earning capability. For me personally, I have um, definitely played the female card in terms of how my work is. And I think in my case, being a sexual wellness content creator, I have a huge advantage being female because I'm supporting an industry of sex tech and femtech. So being in my, my position is just so fortunate because most sex toys are for women and the people who are designing them are mainly men. So when I work on the design and development side, I'm giving those, those people such a huge insight to the female intuition of a user. And um, I'm really reaping the benefits of that to the max. And I'm incredibly grateful to be in this position, but um, I do see as well with, um, some female friends around me, how they are very, very capable and, um, you know, they've got good degrees and they were successful. Um, and, and then when they start having children, it seems that things change a little bit in the career. And I, I think that's, um, I think gender roles or gender stereotypes definitely become more apparent after that. And it seems to be a lot more difficult. And, um, and sometimes, I mean, I'm obviously living a very female independent life and thanks to the fact I don't have children. But I do wonder how things would be different if I did have children and would I be able to have the independence that I do enjoy um, at the moment. But those are 
very, very, very big questions. And I encourage women to work and to believe in yourself. And in this, um, in today's interview, we'll be speaking to David Layton, um, who is the president of Witty Women in Technology International. And also we're going to be doing some professional, um, professional, career and professional growth affirmations. So this is definitely an episode for professional growth and believing in yourself in a professional way. Now it's time for this episode's interview. We'll be speaking with David Layton, president of Witty Women in Technology International. Okay. David, welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast. Thank you so much for being here in this interview today. And you are the president of Witty. For those who are unfamiliar with Witty, could you tell us about it? Sure, Witty, uh, W-I-T-I, the acronym stands for Women in Technology International. It's a company we started in 1989 to uh, really create a community to have our members that are about 85% women, the rest are men and, and other other genders. Um, just really have a place for them to connect, build their brands and support each other to get to the next level. So why do you think it's important to empower women in technology? Well, at that time, the conversation was really about women approaching 50% of the workforce, but here in the States, only four to 5% were getting into management and upper management positions. So only had a, four to five or only 45, you said? Only four to five. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, right. So we had had a company, we worked in the, uh, tech industry, mostly Silicon Valley companies or excuse me, down in LA where we were based. It was aerospace, defense, and entertainment. My mom had started our first company, Criterion Research, and that's what we would do. You know, we would find technologists, we'd build databases for our our clients of people that had skill sets in different areas of tech. Um, My, our clients did not care men, women, anything. (laughs) They wanted to just find people with the tech skills. In 89, she had had, you know, this data came out. So she had been reading a lot about that. People were just starting to use email and coming from a teaching background where the, you know, these issues weren't as abundant. She, she just felt there must be some type of communication breakdown. And as people were just starting to use email, she want you know, Witty was born just to create, you know, for the individuals, that community to, to support each other. And then for companies to help them understand the opportunity that they have to leverage all of the talent. So I kind of took over Criterion Research and, and supported her and, and, and she started Witty and here we are 34 years later. Wow. So I read on your website for over three decades since 1989, we have and continue to do one thing exceptionally well. We actively and strategically provide consistent opportunities to establish um, key relationships that unlock growth potential. So what changes have you observed since its creation? So there must have been incredible changes. I mean, do you think women are more interested in technology now since it's since the, the, its creation? Um, you know, I think... 
all of I think yes, women, all of us, you know, as technologies pushed out to all of us, I think there's a lot of things nowadays we take for granted that's very technology driven. You know, if you ask some kids, girls or boys, you know, or or you know, kids in college, are they, you know, do they know about technology? I'm not a technology person, right? I hear that a lot. Meanwhile, they have a supercomputer in their pocket and they're able to do things that we couldn't even, you know, relate to where their ages or me, me at least. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think, you know, as technologies evolved, as, as we've evolved as humans, it, there's just opportunity to leverage technology. And I think for women, um, confidence, understanding where, just how great they are. And sometimes we need to remind them of that because, right? Because sometimes, oh, you know, things they take for granted are like amazing. We all do that, I think. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, there's different different kind of pieces of it. So what's the, how has the organization evolved then since its um, beginnings? I guess it's a global uh, network now how did it start and how did it evolve sure you know it started uh on email just kind of as an email network and things grew when it had a lot of its big growth in the mid 90s um there wasn't you know we didn't have a lot of tech the web was just kind of getting going there wasn't necessarily bandwidth and infrastructure to support that so you know, as things evolved, you know, started out, we, we'd have groups in different cities, have bigger conferences. Um, fast forward to where we are today. Um, well, in 2019, you know, leading up to 2019, 2020, we continue, you know, we started to do some things online. We'd have two or three events a month. Um, there was always kind of the platform for communication and we do a lot of physical events. Um, as COVID moved in, we went 100% online and really pushed to support our, just to make things available for our members, um, for their, in, you know, we have micro communities in, within Witty that are broken down by either skill set or industry, they were industry people work in or want to check out or geographical location. And then we have things like a writing community so we can help our members if they want to write a book or, you know, get published thought leadership papers. And we can help them both with the writing and brainstorming for that, as well as, you know, promoting it to our audience. Great. So going back to the pandemic, how have current trends related to remote work influenced your organization? Um, you know, I think it's been good. I think from a how companies had had uh, worked with women you know they are in in the states and you know i guess globally too they have these diversity equity and inclusion programs dei um many of them i feel are driven by compliance or um risk man managing risk when in fact you know rather than opportunity um i think when COVID happened, a couple things happened. You know, first of all, a lot of the pr promises that, that the internet first had came to life. You know, we can have people can work from anywhere, and we don't have to have people stuffed in offices. 
we can recruit people from anywhere and they can contribute to, to development teams, that type of thing. I think as that happened, you know, a more flexible work environment, um, creating, I think, creating cultures in companies to, to give everybody an opportunity just to be in their zone and work the way they work. That's what we're all about. One, one big project we worked on during the pandemic um, was an update to the federal glass ceiling report. And that was an initiative under, it launched in 89. Um, our, our government formed the federal glass ceiling commission kind of based on the data that led to the starting of WITI to take a look at you know, if we're only leveraging, if we're not leveraging this talent, and that's the four to five percent of women and underrepresented people in management, upper management positions, how could we compete globally? So they had uh, this commission they put together in 95. They published the first report. They had reached out to us because we had, which really was the first women in tech conference in 1995. And we worked with them and they had asked us to help get the data out to the tech industry. Um, and then one, so then more recently, we uh, just updated that data to, you know, just to take a look at, you know, how can, what do women want in our case? How can they, how can companies um, support that? We One thing we discovered during our research as a, a term we, we coined called the glass step, which talks to, you know, women with 15 to 20 years experience at a company, loads of institutional knowledge that just really don't make it past an individual contributor or supervisor role. And then they leave and, and go to competitors in a lot of cases or start their own companies. And this is just talent that they're letting go that's costing them a fortune and they're missing out on opportunities. So, yeah, I think a lot of it is is um, helping bridge that gap and connect people, right? I think with, uh, you know, with the online, how I met Wayne, um, mm -hmm. we're, part of a, we're, we're part of a global men's community um, that I'd been involved with for years. And it was always just in L.A., and we'd meet on Saturdays and, you know, open up with the web, you know, now we have Zoom meetings and you'll get thrown in breakout rooms with people that you may not have met in a physical event. Um, but, you know, we kind of came in via shared values. So I just think things have just started. And, mm -hmm. it, and I feel like it took a pandemic to really shake things up and shift this conversation, you know, why women are part of these EI programs, I've always been puzzled with, you know, I know that they're to support underrepresented people, but women are half the workforce, mm -hmm. you know? And so rather than understanding that you and I, right, we may see a problem, see a something that happened and I may solve it one way and you may solve it a different way. And it's both leveraging our innate skills and talents. And if Absolutely. I tried to do it right, if I tried to do it the way you did it, if you tried to do it the way I did it, we probably the company would probably be losing out on a lot of stuff we have to offer. So, and have you taken into consideration like things like women's life choices, such as choosing to become a mother and combining that with a tech career? Has that been something you've 
focused on or considered at any point? Yeah, I, look, I think it's out there. I think um, many of my friends that have had kids while they were working seem to do tons while they're working. Not that they want to stay on the clock forever, but just managing stuff they need to be responsible for. It's phenomenal how my 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 female friends do that type of thing you know i don't think it's this big oh you know is she gonna you know get pregnant and be gone forever i just think people can choose what they want to do and mm -hmm. i think companies can real should really be there to support that not look at it as a negative um yes i think there's definitely should be plans that companies have and i think it's just managing all employees you know i mean who knows right it's it's getting pregnant starting a family do they want to continue to work can they hire can they job share men they want to be involved in family too i don't know that it's a hundred percent you know all women obviously having the kid mm. but um yeah, I think these are just pe what people want, and this, this, I think a lot. There's been a lot of relooking at what's important in life, you know, as with COVID and just seeing the terrible things that have come out of it. As far as people, you know, losing people in our lives mm -hmm. makes us rethink things. So, how many? You're in several countries, then, I suppose. You're as an international organization. When did you? Was it always international from the beginning? And what kind of international representation do you have at the moment? Oh, sure. I mean, pretty much started, um, yeah, started in the L.A. area and then Silicon Valley we moved into after a couple of years. And when we had our first conference in 1995, I think we had people from 10 different countries join. Um, and it was just amazing. You know, we had had, we had two of the women that were featured in the Hidden Figures movie show up. Up, and we thought we'd get a few hundred people. We ended up getting like three thousand. You know, people had to mail in their in their their registrations, right? Like that stuff we can't even imagine. Wow. <laughs> um, so yeah, we have witty communities um, all over the world. You know, Africa is growing for us quite a bit. You know, Kenya, Nigeria, um, South Africa, Zimbabwe, um, Egypt. Um, Middle East, a lot happening there with Dubai, a lot of tech happening there throughout Europe, of course. Um, I think you're in Spain, Venus, right? I am, yeah. I was going to ask you what, what, what you have in Spain. You yeah, um, not too much currently. We, we partner with a Mobile World Congress that's in Barcelona oh, yeah. every year. I, you know, that was kind of the first tech show that got canceled with COVID. I'm like, oh, God, this is serious now. Um. Yeah, so we're, you know, we, we look for leaders that want to take things on. We certainly have people join our events from all parts of the world. We look for leaders that uh, want to leverage our platform, add value to com the community, get value from the community. Um, you know, with Witty, when we started, um, we're a for-profit company, you know, my developed a business my mom wanted to start a business that helped that did great things for the world and would build a great business you know she got a lot of flack from that both really? from some 
many of the women, the, the, the companies assumed we were a nonprofit. We had three of the biggest technology companies in the world for our second conference threatened to pull out because they assumed we were a nonprofit. A lot of these initiatives, as you look at different women in tech type groups, are nonprofits. Um, and why does that matter? Yeah, it, it surprises. I don't know. Um, I think companies want a way to, in a lot of cases, to leverage some of their funds that are used for that thing, for that stuff. I personally feel that disempowers women a lot. We do not want to see women to be seen as some type of donation or charity case. Mm -hmm. um, we want to build wealth amongst women. We feel when we do that, women certainly support many philanthropic endeavors and, and it's their choice to, to really make the world a better place. We saw it at Witty, right, with a lot of this DEI stuff where when we first, you know, when Carolyn... My mom started Witty. I had, I had uh, started working with a small software company that we ended up growing to the number two software company in the world. And my job for them um, was really to just scout the world for technology people to bring to them or heads of sales or, you know, whatever it was. And and then as as witty, when we had our first conference in 95, you know, our message to the companies, because they had never seen anything like this, was if you want to, you know, have recruit women to join your company, retain the ones that you do have, you know, it's, it's a little different than men. You can't just do what you did for men and now do it for women. You know, women are going to be interested. They certainly want to know about the cool technology that you're building and what you're doing, but what are you doing to help support um, the human condition and, and the planet and do good things for the world? What type of culture do you have? So if they do need to pick up the kids or, you know, just kind of shift their work schedule that they can be treated like an adult that can just take care of their business, not expected to, you know, to kind of work within this strict paradigm. And that was good. You know, I think the companies really got it that were participated with us, many of the tech companies, probably until, you know, the end of the 90s, um, the web browser came out, 95, 96, you know, the Netscape browser, the internet was just pushing. So that was just coming off the growth of the PC industry. And and then companies started to, to bring in these heads of diversity that were very compliance-driven programs. So we saw like many of our partners, you know, go from having a, you know, a huge booth where they'd show off all their technology, like a big computer trade show and sending hundreds of their women to then just having two recruiters there collecting resumes because they were trying to count and show that, oh, yes, we're trying to hire women, we're trying to hire Black people, we're trying to hire, you know, disabled, LGBTQ+, whatever it was, when it's not even about that, you know? So then the dot-com, you know, disruption happened in, 20, in uh, 2001. And the first thing that got cut um was a lot of you know personnel programs and 
you know, again, what they call diversity or whatever. I don't, again, I'm not sure why women are being treated this way as part of these programs. Okay. So if that makes sense. So about your organization. So if you become a member, what kind of uh, benefits do members enjoy? Tell us about the membership. Sure. Oh yeah. We have uh, many, um, coaching programs, people can participate in coaching circles. We're starting actually on uh, April 6th, this Thursday, our generative AI think tank. So, you know, as you've, I'm sure you've seen, I don't know if you've used any of the tools yet, but ChatGPT and a lot oh, of Oh yeah, these, it just started recently. It's so I interesting. Guess. Oh my God. Right? And yeah. it's like growing so fast um, that we now have a weekly hour just for our members to come in and, and, um, learn about the new tools and how can they use it to make life easier for themselves and stay on top of things. It's like impossible for us to, to do it individually because there's so much happening so fast now. Um, so that's one of the things we have weekly. Um, many of our communities meet monthly, like we have an agile community for project managers. We have an ag tech community that agriculture technology or are interested in checking it out. Many of these non-tech industries are, are, you know, their tech piece is growing so fast. There's huge opportunities for, for our members and for everybody. So we really want to create safe spaces for um, people that don't know about those things to like come in and, and check it out. And if they work in that space to just build more meaningful relationships. So yeah, we have about 30 communities um, that are more active than than others that that meet like once a month. It's usually about 30 minutes of some type of talk or educational piece, followed by 30 minutes of Zoom breakout rooms so they can connect with each other and just, you know, meet new people. What about recruitment? You offer that type of service as well? People want to find work in the tech space? Oh, yeah, we do. Um, we, we do that ourselves. I kind of, as I took over Witty, more full-time, you know, about six years ago, seven years ago. Um, we do have, uh, I lead a job search strategy coaching circle every Friday because, you know, now it's really, I think, up to the the, the candidate to go find where they want to work. Mm -hmm. There's too, too much information overload. And I think just submitting a, an application to a company can sometimes be more like a lottery ticket in a lot of cases because it may never get to that hiring manager that needs them. Um, we do have, and then we have search services too for our partners, um, but we keep our membership, like we don't allow recruiters because we want our membership to be very pure mm -hmm. and just practitioners building relationships. So many of our corporate members, well, we may power their employee programs. We don't want them to think, oh, there's going to be recruiters, they're stealing their people. Um, we have a very, um, so we just deal with it differently. If our members are not in a place where they can be authentic and fully self-expressed and work in their zone, then we want to support them to find a company that more aligns with how they work and their values. And you also have um, courses, I saw. Yeah, we do have courses. Um, those actually, we, we we spent the last few months redoing those. So these are, they're just starting to roll out. I think the first one's going to be um, 
around AI project management. So these are going to be four to eight week courses that are more intensives that people can can take and grow. Um, we do provide for many for all those individual sessions I mentioned, as well as for these intensives, uh, certificates that they can use. So if they're like a professional project project management professional, a PMP, or if they have many acronyms and cert certifications in the tech or um, project management space will accept our certification, our uh, credits, our certificates. Yeah. So project can... management sounds intriguing. So what, what is that exactly? What is what? AI project management. It sounds very yeah. intriguing. What, what is that exactly? Well, you know, again, it's just how can you leverage these AI tools when you're in a project management role to manage some of the stuff. Um, yeah, there's some pretty cool articles I've seen coming out. Some of it we're going to talk about on Thursday. And right, so it's just looking at projects, using something like Chat GPT to then put information in and have it build out a schedule. You know, mm -hmm. I think with a lot of this generative AI stuff, you know, it's not about just, oh, I'm going to press a button and then it's done. It certainly requires a human to go in and double check it and tweak it, but it can take a lot of the lift off. Mm. Um, we use it at Witty for programming. Our programmers use it for our, our core uh, database and infrastructure. We use it for writing descriptions for courses and that type of thing. So it's an exciting time. I know you said you just started. I just started uh, recently. Yeah. I just found it revolutionary. Because yeah. it's just incredible. Because um, I'm writing about um, like sex tech and femtech. That's my space. So a lot of it, it'll, it will say this is against the community rules, but it'll still do it. <laughs> you know, because I because it's it's very interesting. Um, and it's just interesting how you can ask it anything and and any kind of type of tone, first first person, um, third person, whatever, and it just comes out. And also, I've, I've tried to do some creative writing on it as well. That's been incredible. I could not believe. And um, how fast that was. And um, to try and yeah. read something in a different voice as well. That's, and also translation. So obviously I'm a Spanish speaker. I live in Sp I'm English, but I live in Spain. And right now I'm kind of translating a lot of my um, Spanish articles that I've published in press into English. And the translations are amazing. They're much better than Google Translate because Google Translate is very bad. You know, it's, but this is amazing. I don't have to tweak that much. And I'm quite amazed at how much time that, that saves so it's, it's yeah, you do have to double yeah. check it a little, but it's just um fascinating how how fast it is. And I also outsource some um some work to copywriters and they said, Can I use chat GPT? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so so it's just amazing how this uh because I mean as a human, it's just so much and if I get writer's block, that's what's really changing as well. If I get a little writer's block, I'll just write a couple of prompts and I'll and I get it back, you know, even if it's a yeah, totally. I mean, I think people like here, oh, it's the end of the world or blah, blah. Right. Just like writer's block, pop a couple things in, get things going, yeah. and then, then you'll flow, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's some good stuff happening. Do you know Cindy Gallup, by the way? Do you know oh, Cindy? yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I follow her on um, on Instagram. I think her stuff is really interesting. Her um, philosophy. I'd love to get her on the podcast as well. So I think. Happy to intro the two of you. She's oh, amazing. really? Okay. When she launched her company in 2012, um, we yeah we had had her speak at our con she had keynoted our conference and and yeah amazing lady and I'm sure she's very amazing she's just awesome and I'm sure if you even just reach out to her 
um she'll be you know she's she's great so anyway very yeah, she's been on my list for a while because I, I like the way she um promotes like normal people and um condoms especially because that's something i think is very important to maintains a good message and safety etc one thing i'm looking at at the moment which is really interesting in terms of tech is um all the apps how apps are controlling toys and long distance app i think i think it's really interesting especially um how this has evolved since um, the pandemic actually 2020 was my best professional year because my industry just completely boomed and people were yeah. doing long distance toy control you know so, so it's really interesting. But what I'm actually working on right now is um, I am reviewing a pelvic floor trainer. That's a really interesting space for women as well. So so I'm reviewing a device that you wear in the vagina, but then you play video games on your phone. And when you squeeze the pelvic muscles, you're kind of killing birds and stuff, you know? So <laughs> do you have any like, any specific areas in your, in your um, organization that focus on femtech or things that would be specific for women such as you know menstrual trackers or or any, anything that's related to like women's health or anything like that in tech um, yeah we certainly have had people talk about different health fem, femtech type things we're i think we're starting fairly soon like a menopause community oh, just wow. like to make sure it's like a, a place where our members that might be going through that or about to that just have questions, you know, we want them to have a safe space to, to now, you know, just to communicate with other people. I think sometimes with companies, I know in the UK, they really seem to be more ahead of others um, as far as like laws and, <clears throat> and supporting women. I still don't know, though, if it's something they necessarily want to go to their HR department and discuss, you know, what we try to do for our corporate partners at Witty is just have these, you know, this this plethora of different programs and tools so that they don't have to reinvent the wheel. They can just be powered by Witty, have these types of things that that uh, programs that will help their support their their uh employees most of them are women but men of course are welcome too um in all these areas right so yeah i think menopause is a big one so that's going to be one i think we're starting in may ish i think mm -hmm. we also have to approach it from a tech perspective as a business thing i think it's really interesting as well because i i read some statistics recently i can't remember exactly what it was it was from a company that was making some kind of lubricant and they were looking at the market of you know menopausal sex products in general is just going to boom like in the next 10 years it's incredible because a lot of these women you know they are let's say divorcees and they're still up for it and you know up for discovering themselves and uh and all, all these different technologies and pelvic floor trainers and also devices to like laser um that do different things to kind of keep the vagina in check you know after menopause so it's just interesting all this uh, space, and I was just wondering if there was like a kind of tech side to it in, within the within the organization that focuses on this type of thing. Yeah, um, not yet. We certainly have some members that create products in that space. Mm -hmm. Haven't necessarily gone there yet. Would love to have it available, mm -hmm. you know. And I think just I think companies have to wake up. Tech companies, all companies. I know Cindy with with. Um, forgot the name of her website. Make Love Not Porn. Thank you. Yeah. Right, like she has difficulty finding places to host her site 
because it's looked at as a bad thing or whatever, mm-hmm. when it's really, you know, with her whole thing, it's about, um, yeah, it's about love and, and connection and that type of thing. So, yeah, just haven't gone there yet. Um, again, we kind of let our members drive our content. Oh, yeah. We're a platform, so we want to support uh, all these things. Mm-hmm. I also interviewed this woman called Heather Montgomery. She's the CEO of pleaseme.com. It's kind of like please me with a, with a Z. Uh, it's kind of like a Facebook of um, sex positive people. So it's kind of behind a paywall. And um, she was, uh, it's very interesting talking to her about this from a business perspective. There was lots of support. Yeah. Interesting. Well, wasn't there, I think there was like the vibrator at CES that had oh, won. Yeah. Right, they they had won something, and then they they didn't give them the award or something. I don't know. I just think it's semi semi ridiculous. But this is um, it's actually taken off. Yes, there's, there's a lot more sex tech there at the <laughs> recently since that. And I think they did a they had a huge uh, all that press for free. I mean, it was actually a really good thing in the end because they got the award back the next year. Well, I can't remember the exact story, but it was actually oh, they did. It all worked out really well. I think and it brought a lot yeah. of awareness to the. Uh, to this 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 type of technology because I think people don't think it's important but it definitely is and um sometimes that technology is, is always at the forefront you know like dating apps um, can be more advanced than you know lots of other type of networking events or, or yeah. apps etc yeah I mean porn was one of the big drivers of video compression and you know excuse me, e-commerce and those types of things. You know, the AVN show used to be at the same time CES was up Mm -hmm. until maybe 10 years ago, you know, with COVID, the timelines are like Mm -hmm. weird. I'm not sure how long ago it was. Um, Yeah, but anyway, yeah, you're right. It's probably better that they they, um, pulled the award rather than because they were on every news channel that was good for them. Mm-hmm. Also, the VR, that's another thing that's kind of coming into that space a lot, you know. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, yeah, it's exciting times, right? It's like just our lives and what do we want to do with our life, right? That's what technology should be helping us as humans do things more effectively and, and, and make the most of our lives, right? We're only going to get a certain amount of years. But how can we make them wider and do more within them? Yeah, because I think it's interesting. I'm really just interested in biofeedback. And this um, pelvic floor thing I have gives you these graphs of how how strong your clench is and stuff and, and the release. I just think that's really motivating rather than just doing it on your own. I think people love this type of thing also related to sleep and relaxation and meditation. You know, it's interesting how these very natural processes can be enhanced through technology yeah no it's it's an exciting times we're living in venus right yeah definitely I mean, for me now i have to make my reviews take a lot longer because i have to try lots of different things with the toy not just you know the manual way but just checking all the d- different technology and i actually work as a um, as a de- development consultant as well so i work with engineers who are developing these apps because they don't they need that user that feminine um intuition <laughs> input you know right yeah yeah mm-hmm. no for sure right and i think yeah i mean just think of the evolution of technology products for women 
whether it was the cell phone that was too big. And, you know, for a while they made everything pink and they thought that would solve the problem rather than, you know, getting women involved in the process and what do they need and what works for them. There's, there's a big financial upside to that when they get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in addition just to making products that support the users most effectively. Yeah, I think that's a step. I can't remember exactly what. I think women are more likely to share when something works with friends, like from an advertising yeah. um, perspective, it's very more. Hazardous. Yeah, it's like 40 times. Right. And the power of the purse, I think, was a book that came out when I first heard that quote. If a woman likes something or dislikes it, they'll tell up to 40 or 50 people, you know, man, maybe it's two or three or something. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, it's good to, to to do that for sure, to support that market, right? It's it's all about and that's you know and i just think that's where companies have to shift you know they've with women it's been you know and as you kind of put them in these dei type programs that are the ones that are more just kind of driven by compliance or risk management it's not about that Mm. right it's just like you know as men and women we you know, put us so we can be ourselves and we can be authentic and we can be fully self-expressed and the company is going to win and make a lot more money. Definitely. That's and what that's what they should do. <laughs> yeah. And the doing, right? And when they're not doing that, it's it's not fair to the investors, the stockholders. There's more innovation when they do that. So I think the human race suffers. Mm. Okay, yeah, so. suffering. Um, I saw that you um, also promoted work-life balance on your website. You have a well-being center. Could you tell us about that? Oh, yeah, we do. We have a well-being center. Um, yeah, we have uh, one thing, and I'm happy to show you two. Can I show you something on the web? Real quick? Oh, if yeah, I do yeah. Squish, is that okay? Yeah. Let me show you our first. We will describe it to those who are listening. Yeah, for sure. But I'll I'll just share with them if they go to the uh, to the Wayback Machine. I think I need permission. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, to share. this is in the security thing, isn't it? Security. Yeah, security. it's in the little. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Um, so if you go to the Wayback Machine, and if people don't know about the Wayback Machine, it's at archive.org, and you can go to any website that ever existed. Mm-hmm. excuse me, and see, you know, their website. So I'm looking at ours in, in January 31st, 1997. I think we launched this in 1996. Wow. But this was really the original vision of Witty to create the Witty campus, one worldwide meeting place. Um, in the Witty campus, we have the Technology Center, the Networking Cafe, the Career Center, and the Wellbeing Center. Wow, it's very uh, advanced at that time. Right? So, yeah. So, you know, certainly currently we have uh, every Saturday we have yoga nidra meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really a place for our members to to focus on all parts of their body. And it's what the yogis had developed thousands of years ago to kind of down to after after they do yoga to really, you know, get, get everything back in, in alignment. Um, yeah, anyway, this is stuff we've been doing for years. Certainly once COVID happened, we had online yoga, um, this meditation, Tai Chi, um, 
what else do we have? Oh, we we do a program called Business Not As Usual, a safe space to talk about race, where where people you know that are have any questions or want to know how to deal with that can come to that. It's a lot of storytelling and opening people's eyes. So anyway, but that's interesting, right? That was kind of the original vision of Witty to be, you know, to create a platform so that a lot of these groups, they don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, we have two programs. One we call Powered by Witty. So that's for companies. You know, they can, a lot of the, where they want programs for their employees or storytelling or just ways to get their brand out to the community. We support them with that. And then our other brand for individuals is called Empowered by Witty. And then that's just the programs like you see, you know, like with the generative AI, the coaching circles, the well-being center. So yeah, we've had many communities that kind of start up, whether in their geographical location or within their different verticals that then just kind of fold into us. Um, yeah, but that's that's how I think we can really make big strides. Um, when we did, when we published the glass ceiling report or the update to the glass ceiling report <clears throat> about a month ago, there's, you know, I think one thing, you know, there's been some progress made, but not enough and not fast enough. And I put the link in the chat for you. It said uh, glassceilinginstitute.witi.com. And the the the, um, the uh, report is available to download. But again, it's just how can we, how can companies create a place for employees you know for women there's you know in the, in the u.s um women are the biggest part of the small business market these are amazing people that that leave companies because they don't necessarily feel welcome there or have a place they feel supports them in a lot of cases mm -hmm. and you know again just for purely um business standpoint, it kind of makes sense for companies to see how they can leverage this talent because there's just so much data out there. I'm sure you've heard it. You know, if there's more women executives, the company does better. Women CEOs have a ton of success. And it's not a zero-sum game. You know, it's it's really about having different thoughts and, and having men, having women, having people with different backgrounds be innovative and contribute towards the company's bottom line. Definitely. It's good to see things advancing. I guess also women make different life choices, I suppose, as well. So they need to kind of have, it's good to have more role models because um, without that, they just don't feel like it's your it's your space, perhaps. I mean, Another thing we launched, our second conference, I don't know if you came across it on the website, but it was our Women in Technology Hall of Fame. Oh, I think and it's on your YouTube channel, I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was really after our first conference when, uh, as I mentioned, two of the Hidden Figure ladies came. We had, I mean, there were just people coming out of the woodwork. We had no idea existed. Um, so the following year, we, we started the Hall of Fame. And, you know, as a woman responsible for Kevlar, for Bulletproof Vests, the world's first programmers were women and had always been referred to throughout history as assistants. And these are the ENIAC programmers. And the story behind them is um, men for, during World War II 
Many of the men were drafted. They searched the country for women that were both physics and math ma mathematics majors. And they did some of the first programming of computers. Um, yeah, and, but they weren't allowed in the same room as the computer because women couldn't get uh, couldn't get secret clearances that high enough to let them in the room. Wow. So there's just story after story out there. Um, and really for us, it's just like, let's have relatable people, right? So the girls coming up and the boys too can see, wow, it's not like crazy that a woman's the CTO of this company, right? Open AI, their CTO, Mira's a woman, uh -huh. um, right? So anyway, yeah, the Hall of Fame's uh, been a journey and pretty amazing. And, and if you go there, you'll, you can, there's like a three to five minute videos on every Hall of Famer. So pretty good stuff. I'm going to check that out because I love seeing strong women. I just think I'm, um, I recently watched Mrs. America on HBO. Have you seen that with um, Kate Blanchett playing Phyllis Schlafly about the ERA? And it's just so interesting that whole time and how there was this resistance for women wanting equality. And a lot of women didn't even want whether it was taking away their protection almost. And it was uh, crazy, right? I know Phyllis Schlafly on one side. Gloria Steinem on the other. Gloria Steinem yeah. had spoken at our first conference. Oh, my God. She's so cool. I mean, she's such a cruel character. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Wow. And, then, and then Roger Shapley, Phyllis's son, worked at my client's company. So it's just oh, kind wow. of funny. We had Witty going, and Roger <laughs> was just a programmer. He wasn't involved in any of this uh, stuff his mom was involved in but but nuts right yeah i haven't watched the whole miss america yet but thank you for reminding me to put that back at the top of the list because uh who could imagine right venus stuff like that we can't even relate to now. yeah <laughs> that's what people went through you know yeah when I, was, like, when I was studying for my um a levels which is before university in the uk i was trying to remember all of this data for it's a psychology exam one of my friends, who's my study partner, said, if we fail, we can just get married. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I just thought that was quite sad, you know, just to. And, and even looking back at something like Mad Men, which is incredible, how the women just work, work working as a secretary is just to do networking, find a husband and then retire. You know, right. working life for women has changed so much. Thank God. And if you think a lot of the structures of companies and how people work, right, you know, so a lot of that was kind of still created back then mm -hmm. based on how I work and compete. Then I want you to come in and work in some of these roles. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, maybe the roles should be different to, so I can get the most out of you. Mm -hmm. Yes, anyway. You so know, but COVID, COVID did that, right? So now we can turn everything upside down and, you know. Sorry, I cut you off. So where's the future of, how do you see the clothes near future of Witty? What are you working on now? <laughs> yeah, I see it. Um, I'm excited. I think it's really about transformation of how women, how companies work with women and the programs. Um, we're going to continue to build globally. I invite you, Venus, your community, Anybody we can support, be part of Witty. We have scholarships for people, whatever they need, so we can help them get to the next level. 
And then for companies, you know, this is a way to build more revenue and attract and retain the, the people that are in alignment with your company. And I think it's sad in a lot of cases with a lot of the, the programs where, a lot you know, it's kind of this us versus them type mentality has been created. It's not about that. It's it's leveraging the humans and, and putting them in spots where they can be happy and 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 be in their zone. And that's who we work with, you know. So companies that get that, if they want to continue to do things or treat women as some type of checkbox number or want to work with us so they can pretend to look good publicly when they have the same nonsense privately in the company. Life's too short, you know. Mm-hmm. A couple of quick questions. Um, what's the book that changed your life? Oh, God. Um, the book that changed my life. You know, Traction, I read recently. Um, that's about the entrepreneur operating system mm-hmm. and how to... Um, how to run my company and and get kind of past a lot of my stories and stuff. Um, You know, Landmark, right? Gone through some advanced Landmark courses. If you're familiar with any of that, are you familiar with Landmark, the forum or any of this stuff? And it it all evolved from like S training. And these are like leadership courses where it's like, you know, how can you, you know, because I was in this advanced leadership course and I had some resistance for maybe being a leader at Witty. You know, and as my mom phased more into retirement, she'll never retire. She she runs a dog camp now. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like my story was, oh, what, am I going to be, what are people going to think if I'm the president of Witty? You know, or they think I couldn't do it myself, or why is a man leading this that's focused on women, you know? Meanwhile, we have a chance to transform the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was sitting in this kind of one of the weekend sessions where it's just long and it beats you down. And then I was writing it out and it's like, wait a minute, this is my story. <laughs> you know, people don't see that um, probably from the outside. So. So do you yeah. get that a lot then, women? I mean, people asking you why a man is in charge of this. Uh, and how do you answer? Yeah, less and less because we're, you know, again, we're about, we're not like, a, we're not fighting a cause, you know, although we have, you know, certainly as we grow, it improves everything. Mm. Yeah, you know, we're a business-centric company. We think there's an opportunity for our partners to leverage talent. And, you know, I just want to get the conversation into that. And I think the more we can do that, the more women will be taken more seriously at work, treated as equal business partners, not treated as second-class citizens, not looked at, oh, we had a diversity initiative. That's why this woman got hired. Yeah, that's but annoying that. that you want to have, have people there because of their talent and merit, not because... Right. They're ticking a box, you know. I don't think that's the right way. But a lot of feedback I've gotten, especially from Black women, you know, even though they're amazing, have more, you know, experience than many of their counterparts in different roles. But, you know, with some companies, it's like they get hired into a role 
And they're not taken seriously because people are thinking, oh, the DEI group, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, it's like these women are phenomenal. Yeah. You have to work twice as hard to prove that, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, imagine what they did to get there. Give me a break. So, uh, yeah, just, you know, we're going to create a world that works for everybody, Venus, since everybody can be authentic and fully self-expressed. And um, do you have a phrase or affirmation or quote that you uh, live by? That was a quite a good one. We're going to create a world that everyone knows. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that was it, right? Yeah, just creating a world that works for everybody. Um, and people can be and do what they do. Amazing. That's, so how can people find you? Where can people find you? Um, LinkedIn's probably my best communication platform in this world of information overload. Um, WITI.com is our web address. Um, a lot of programs happening. Come on in. We don't do these one-way events where it's just you're hearing somebody talk. We want to make sure people are building relationships and, and meeting people in breakout rooms or conversations. So, yeah, WITI.com is the best way or hit me up on LinkedIn. David Layton. Not sure exactly what my LinkedIn is, but it's a uh, search for me. Not too many of us. <laughs> I think I found you just with David Layton. I, I checked your profile earlier today. Yeah, it was just um, David Layton. Yeah, I know. Amazing. Perfect. So thank you so much for taking part in this uh, interview today. Thank you, Venus. The book I'm reading now is Eight Rules of Love, How to Find It, Keep It, and Let It Go by Jay Shetty. I'm reading this book because I'm going to see Jay Shetty next month in Barcelona, and I'm so excited about it. I must confess that I don't actually follow Jay Shetty. I just heard one of my friends mentioning that he was coming to Barcelona. I knew who he was, but I wasn't actively following him or watching his content. I'd seen a few things, but nothing in detail. And I wanted to go to this event because I know that if you go to lots of personal growth events in general, there's just there's this amazing harmony or collective energy that that um, happens when you're in a crowd of people who all want to improve their lives. It's like I, w- I wanted to buzz from that energy and that's that's the main reason why I'm, why I'm going. Also, I'm intrigued about this topic because when I look at my life, when I do things like these wheels that um, that have different areas of your life, everything's going really well. But then the romance and love um, segments are usually the poorest performing ones areas of my life. So that's something I think I need to maybe change my my mindset or my paradigms about relationships and love in general. And I think this is going to help me. And I'm also going with some of my friends who are also in very similar situations who are perhaps a bit disillusioned with love and a bit confused as to what kind of relationships we want. And we are at the same time, we are really enjoying our independence. So it's a bit of a tricky one, um, but definitely. And also I think people just crave regular intimacy and support. I mean, for me, one of the hardest things for me when I was breaking up with my last boyfriend was trying to, uh, the, the, the prospect of giving up those daily messages of how did you sleep? How was your day? And when you report back to someone about 
all the things you did in that day and they, they listen to you and they support you. I mean, those things are really way more important than the orgasms. But they, I mean, the orgasms are also important, but those are not the what things that you miss the most. I think it's definitely that support and um, and the intimacy. Um, but yeah, so I'm definitely interested in this in this book. And one of the first rules he talks about, I'm only starting the book right now, so this is not going to be a complete review. The first part of the book is about how to be alone. And I think that's so, so, so important. I know many people who are serial monogamists, and I don't think serial monogamy is just as bad as being um, an avoidant attachment person like me. Um, I think constantly feeling that you need someone in your life um, is quite... Is, is is usually some is usually someone who is afraid of being alone who who has to go through that whereas for me I don't think I'm in love with love I like to fall in love with people um people who are offering me more than what my solo life would be I think it's important I always use the analogy of a cupcake for example my life has to be the delicious sweet sponge and the the person in my life has to be the cherry on top or the frosting on top. Um, so it's not necessary, but it makes the sponge taste a little bit better. So that's that's the kind of um, relationship dynamic I would definitely want to to um, enjoy in my life. And also, I have been very tempted to go on a dating app. Um, I mean, I'm getting a lot of signs from the universe to try dating apps. I even asked ChatGPT to make me a profile, but I haven't um, taken the plunge just yet. Um, but we'll see what happens there. Um, I, I might just have try and have a bit more faith in in the universe providing. I don't have time right now for for dating because I've got so much going on in the next ten days. Um, so that's just not going to be happening straight away. So we'll see in about a month or, or so how I feel about that. And also maybe that will coincide with when I go to see the Jay Shetty show and I'll, I will make a decision by then and see how I'm going to go about this area of my life because it definitely needs work. And another thing I wanted that really um, struck a chord with me about discovering more about Jay Shetty was that I, I, I found out about this scandal of um, all the quotes that he was taking from other people, apparently. I, I just thought it was very interesting um, I think the concept of social media in general is very interesting. I recently saw a documentary called Fake Famous on HBO. I highly recommend watching it. And I also watched American Meme on Netflix. And um, Fake Famous was, uh, they took three uh, people with small followings and they tried to see if they could make them into full-blown influencers with hundreds of thousands of followers. And at first... And they took th uh, two guys and a girl and um, they bought followers, they bought comments. And two, the two guys were very uncomfortable with this because um, they felt that it was very fake. And one of them was even deleting all of the comments that he was getting because he just felt that it was very weird. And another one was saying that one of his good friends messaged him and said, this is not you or something similar that he kind of like, well, I'm watching you, you know, this is like so fake. But the girl was very, very flexible and malleable and into it. And she started um, having fake followers. But when she got to the big numbers, then it, it suddenly became more authentic. And and that was interesting as well. Another thing that's interesting in this um, in this program was um, the influencer lifestyle of nice photos and people hiring fake um, fa um, 
fake private jet sets so that they could look like they're living a high life um, just to make photos for, for Instagram and also hiring mansions and clothes to make photo shoots. And then obviously uh, publishing those photos and the results of those shoots on different days. Um, but just made you think about you know, everything's fake. The fake followers, the fake comments, plus the fake photo shoots, the fake endorsements. And then sometimes people would be making a shoot with one product um, for free and then the rivals would come in and offer money. I thought that was a very interesting marketing concept. And then at the end, the conclusion was that most influencer content is making people feel bad about them, themselves and their lives, giving people FOMO. And it made me think about my own content because I do feel a little bit lost in terms of social media. And I thought, I do not want people to feel to feel bad when they see my content. I want people to feel inspired. For example, I recently made this uh, a reel about how to make oat milk. And I want people to see that and think, wow, I did not know it was so easy. Just oats, rolled oats and water in a blender and you strain it and that's it. I mean, that's so much better than getting some oat milk from a store that's been on the shelf for a long time and probably has no nutrients left. You can make it yourself fresh and on demand. And that's the kind of thing I want people to to take away from my content, anything I, I share. And actually, I'm in the position where most people kind of, um, you know, glorify their Instagram feed. Um, and it's not quite in, aligned with what the real life is, whereas my life is actually better than my Instagram feed. And I would like to share more, but at the same time, I have to be thinking about what is the intention here? Is it a kind of me, 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 look at me? Or is it, I want someone to feel inspired by this and apply this to their lives. And that's, for me, it's always the latter. This is kind of knowing how to do that without making people feel any type of FOMO. That's not what I want at all. So then when I uh, I, started, I saw American Meme, which is another documentary on Netflix, which is really interesting about Influencers doing silly things like getting hurt and doing silly comedy things where people are falling over and and this guy who was going to do photo shoots and popping champagne bottles in in women and taking photos of them and they're getting their tits out and all this and you're thinking, wow, this this type of content is getting hundreds and thousands of views. And it just doesn't seem to be, is this adding value to the world? Is this adding value to people's lives? And it just seems so fake as well. And the people who are doing this content we're really reliant on um, on likes, and there's one person in the co- in the documentary who said, you know, you want all these likes from other people, but you have to like yourself, which is really a sound piece of advice there. And then looking at Jay Shetty's content, which I heard I heard about the um, the scandal of the uh, all the quotes that were taken from other people without any any credits given, and I thought that was a little bit scandalous as well. Even though Jay Shetty does have, a in, in, in general, a much better message, but it seems to be, to me, when you get to those huge numbers, it seems to be more like a machine than, than a person. Um, and that just seemed also fake in another way to me. Uh, maybe the intention is better, but taking other people's work and then um, passing it as your own doesn't feel great to me uh, on a spiritual level. And, and also the content that is even is credited is like saying, oh, um, put a heart here or mention a friend. And I, I just don't really, I don't really um, vibe with that type of content either, even though it's supposed to make you feel good or, or ins- inspire you. I can understand that the intention of that type of content is better than the FOMO content, but it just still doesn't feel entirely authentic. Um, I guess I guess when you get to those huge numbers, you're kind of more disengaged from your own social media. And then at the end of the day, 
do you have to be completely connected to it? Because at the end of the day, you become a messenger, especially if you're in the spiritual world. You, you're, it's not that you realize that it's not about you, it's about the message. And that's the most important thing at the end of the day. So I'm trying to battle with my own um, social media expression. And all of this is definitely influencing me. And I'm trying to think what is the way I will, how do I want to turn up um, or show up on social media and, um, and in a way that's authentic, but also inspirational. So yeah, so that's, those are the thoughts that have arisen from eight rules of love, which um, I might go into more detail when I've gone through the book and I will definitely be reporting on the Jay Shetty event, which I cannot wait for. It's the first time I'm going to a personal development event like this. And I hope hopefully it'll be the beginning of many more to come. And that is the book I'm reading now, Eight Rules of Love, How to Find It, Keep It and Let It Go by Jay Shetty. Now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation. It's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery. Instead, take a break from whatever you're doing, get comfortable, take a deep breath and enjoy. I am successful. Decisions that align with my values and goals. 
find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara. Make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening. Have an orgasmic week and make sure every day is a climax.